2022. All right, welcome sports fans. This is Second City Sports Zoom style right Zoom here. Style. Zoom style. All right, right here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we're gonna yeah, so we're gonna be doing this. It looks like we're gonna do this again for a few more weeks, but that's okay. I'm Lakina McGee. You can follow me at Keena McGee on Twitter at Keena underscore McGee on the Insta, and just follow me on Lakina McGee on the Facebook page. And Sid, I'm Sid the Kid. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Sid Kid Eighty. Once again, as that's at Sid Kid Eighty. S I D K I D eight zero. Once again, that's S I D K I D eight zero. All right, and uh, just for a point of reference, a PSA, please don't inject yourselves with Lysol or Clorox or any other cleaning products just for, you know, obvious purposes. I never thought we'd have to be asked to say that to people, but, you know, people are, are kind of kooky these days. So just a little PSA there. No cleaning products, no in injecting or it, uh, digesting anything of any kind. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely I don't know if people that. are that damn bored and desperate. <laughs> yeah, no, like, no way. I would, I would hope yeah. not. But uh, all right, so, so let's get to last night's. Okay, we're, we're, we're recording this on a Friday. So we're going to talk about last night's NFL draft, the first round. We didn't really see any big, like, okay, this is a virtual style draft. You know, you saw all the, the coaches and a lot of the front office guys you know, with their office setups and you know, I, I love that um, our good friend uh, Jeff Durkinson for ESPN Chicago, who does Bears, does a great job, has been for years, tweeted that he's just, he was just watching for all the decor, for the interior design ideas. <laughs> and some of them, some actually are really sweet. Now we'll get to, to the actual business ahead of the players, but what, who's like interior decorating style that you like, office of that you like? Uh, the commissioner, Roger Goodell, and he's doing it from his basement. It, it was kind of neat, uh, something unique and interesting, only because of what the circumstances we are in right now. His basement, his man cave, or whatever you want to call it, it looked nice. Um, uh, I would say the Kansas City Chiefs that I called uh, Andy Reid, the head coach, you know, just basic. Uh, did you uh, catch uh, New York Giants, football Giants GM Dave Gentleman with the full mask by himself in his office? Yeah, I think yeah, I think that there's actually some clarity to that. I think he had a, uh, his sister. I think is battling cancer right now, and I guess oh, she was okay. at the yeah. Okay. I think she was at the. I didn't house. hear that part, so excuse me. Well, yeah, I, yeah, I think it yeah, uh, yeah, I think it was more. Uh, I think there was like there was like there was some credence to it. So okay. I think like okay. somebody in his family had cancer or, or something like that. So I, I think there I think there was like some credence, credence as to why, you know, he was wearing a mask. Maybe there's there, 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 like I said, I, yeah. I caught part of it last night, so I didn't know the full story behind that. Yeah, I think like one of his IT guys, I think I guess has like a rest with, has like a pre-existing condition, so I, I think okay. I think that was why he was wearing a mask for his benefit. Uh, he, well, Andy Reid's was very interesting. Also, uh, Bruce Arias's one where he was just like simply it was like he was wearing his shorts and said, like, "Listen, I got Tom Brady now, living my best life, so like I'm just gonna chill and you know do do my thing." I think it was it was yeah. just so hilarious. He's in his late 60s. Like, like you said, Lakini, he has uh, some of the top players in the NFL. You got quarterback Tyron Brady. He just traded for a tight end, Rob Gronkowski. Uh, life is good right now. You're the talk of the NFL. You're the talk of the offseason. And, and let's see what happens. But he's got a lot, a lot of toys to play with right now. So if you're Bruce Arians, you're pretty much living the life right now. So hopefully if everything starts on time, you, you know, uh, Tampa Bay should be good and ready to go. They'll be one of the most talked about teams in the NFL for this upcoming, upcoming 2020 season. 
We'll talk about Gronk going to the Bucks in a second, but uh, another uh, one of the office tweets that was like very like odd, or maybe maybe it was very him was Mike Zimmer. I wasn't ready for Mike Zimmer, the Vikings head coach. I wasn't ready for his office setup he had. Like I know he had a taxidermy. I think I didn't know he's a taxidermy during the offseason. I mean, he had like that big musical over his fireplace. He had his two daughters in the background cheering him on. It was just weird. It was just weird to me. <laughs> I didn't catch him so. But you got, but you got the, the two probably of the biggest flexes were probably Jerry Jones, who was it is super yachts, the little area like his super yacht, I guess the living room is super yachts, and also did you clip Kingsbury's bachelor pad? I did catch that on Twitter. I'm like, whoa, okay, uh, like uh, now you're a 40 year old man, you live in that life as the NFL head coach. Show off a little bit. So remember, this is entertainment as well. So I. You know, I don't have a problem with it as long as people don't go too overboard with it. And with Jerry Jones, let's be honest, he's an attention seeker. So he's going to go all out and flaunt his stuff. So if you're uh, almost early 80-year-old man like Jerry Jones is, you're going to show off a bit. He's been doing that his whole career, his whole life. So I, I didn't expect anything. Did you expect anything else, much, much else from him? No, no, not at all. I mean, it was – I mean, like, like I expect nothing less. I mean – from uh, Bill Belichick doing it on his, on his coffee table, like in the middle of, in New England, in the middle of his coffee table. Um, Matt Nagy actually had his visor on indoors, which was a little bit, which was kind of like, well, wait, be you old. Happy birthday also to Matt Nagy. Yes, yes. He's his birthday today, so happy birthday, depending on when this gets posted, but uh, happy birthday to him. Um, Kyle Shanahan had his three kids with him nearby. Uh, Brian Flores has his, has his two sons, you know. They were I did catch that one. That was, that was an awesome moment. You know, it's all, like said, not just about entertainment, it's all about family as well. So I, I have a little fun with it. And, and that's what you like to see. The one thing we did talk about real quick before we get to the picks, uh, we all thought that the NFL was going to have some glitches here and there. They did a, a run, according to the reports, uh, this past Monday. And uh, there was all kinds of problems. I don't know if that was a false report or not, but according to reports, uh, everything that could go wrong did go wrong. But as far as I know, the parts that I saw uh, on Thursday night, it went without a hitch. Yeah, I mean, I, I, didn't, I didn't really see anything too big. I mean, like I said, I mean, you get to see, you know, the coach there with their kids. Some of them had their kids nearby. Like I said, Kyle Shannon, mm-hmm. that head coach, had his kids nearby. Uh, we mentioned Brian, Brian Flores. Um, well, Mike Zimmer had his two grown daughters near him. Um, you know, just, just you know, it was a nice little setup. Robert Bear had his nice little setup here in his basement. I saw, I saw his daughter in the background as well. So, you know, Ryan Pace, GM, had his daughter with him. So, yeah, so it was nice seeing, like, sort of the more of a human element to the, the draft. So, it was actually kind of cool to see, seeing them, like, you know, the, like the front office and the coach kind of, like, in their outsider elements. Yeah, that was awesome, too. Now, will they try this again next year? Hopefully when things return to normal, will they try something like this again next year? Who knows? Or will they incorporate it into the normal draft coverage uh, with the uh, with the new class coming in uh, next year? Assuming everything gets back on track, greeting Roger Goodell in person, instead of what we saw last night, we shall see. I'm interested to see how, how uh, the ratings fared on ESPN and ABC because – I recorded it off the ABC feed, and they had uh, the college, ESPN College Game Day crew, basically with Reese Davis and Desmond Howard and the rest of those guys. Now, the NFL Network had 
the old NFL live crew, the ESPN guys with the Trey Ringo. I'm, I think Adam Schefter was on there as well, and I think Louis Riddick and a couple other guys. The big guys were on NFL Network. The college guys were on ABC. Yeah, that was like a nice little setup how they did that. I think they, they did that before. Um, they are going to do Vegas next in a couple of years. They gave they got him a mulligan, so maybe we'll see mm-hmm. what happens there. Um, I mean, it'll be interesting, though, but I, I think I would be surprised if some people say, this, let's just do it this way. This is how they did it back. You know, Barry Sanders was on The View, Hall of Famer Barry Sanders was on The View yesterday saying that, listen, this is how they did it when he was getting drafted. So this might it just has, has a lot more good technology now. And shout out to all the IT guys and all the um, – all the, the people there that I, I thought I saw, I thought I saw one reporter said, you know, I think like Dave Gelman had like about like a hundred plugs or something near his basement. You know, the IT guys kind of had it set up there. So it, it was just, it was just cool. And like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if they decided to do this regularly. Just saying. You know, uh, but here's the thing though, Lakina, back then the, the draft it was held on a Saturday afternoon. It wasn't a prime time event. The NFL has made money off uh, extending this into a whole weekend over the last several years. If you remember, you remember as well, we were down there uh, in downtown Chicago covering both the 2014 and 2015 NFL drafts when they were here in Chicago. And so they made that city, uh, the city and the league made a whole lot of money. I cannot see them just turning that down. As I brought up before, can you incorporate this into the draft going into the future? I think they they can, but like you said, we should be in this situation again. I think they'll go back to this for sure. And I want to see what the ratings are because this really was the first quote-unquote live sporting event that had nothing to do with them actually playing, but something that's live and it's fresh. And once again, the NFL saves the day for now. Yeah, it's on the early rings I saw, although these are the official numbers, but it was up in a lot of spots, even here in Chicago, even though the Bears didn't have a first-round pick. I think mm-hmm. it was just like a thirst for like something like normal, even though this was mm-hmm. totally different from what we're used to. So the final rounds aren't out yet. They won't be out till later, later today. So, you know, John Oran, who does a great job for Sports Business Journal, you can follow him on Twitter. So if you, if you want, you know, to get maybe get updates, he'll have the updates, I'm sure. I'm sure all the other Richard Dye, Justin Carp, all those guys follow all of them. They'll probably have the, the numbers when the final numbers come out, but it looks like the, the numbers are really good. So we'll see. All right, so let, let's talk about the, the first round of the draft. I mean, there were some some mild surprises. I mean, the top two were really no big surprise. I mean, Joe Burrow, LSU, had probably one of the best careers for a college quarterback in history. You know, it was it was somewhat lonely because all he had was his parents with him because of the way, like, everything set up and social distancing, although there were a couple mm-hmm. of guys that had, like, 50 people do more people in their, in their household. <laughs> we'll get to them in a minute, but Joe Burrow just had his parents with him. And, but, you know, let's see if Cincy can get this right this time. What do you think about uh, Burrow going to Cincy? Uh, as we said on the show the last few weeks, Lakina, it was no surprise. Uh, it was a top pick that Cincinnati, it was a position that Cincinnati had to have because you have an aging veteran, Andy Dalton, who probably won't be on the team uh, this year. Whoever is their backup, that, that, uh, that'll be important as well. But, Cincinnati need a franchise quarterback that needs to turn the page. Joe Burrow is the obvious pick. I know, as we always say, it's Lions season. So mm. uh, I know there were reports out there, oh, this team is trying to train for that number one pick or Joe Burrow doesn't want to go there. He's going to pull a John Nelway, this and that in the third. None of that happened. It was an obvious choice for the Bengals. You have your franchise quarterback 
uh, who's from your home state of Ohio, sitting there waiting for you to waiting for them to get paid. They did it. So we'll see. Uh, outside of AJ Green, we'll see what kind of weapons that they have around them, and also um, Joe Mixon as well, the running back. Outside of those two guys, we'll see what what else can they put around them. Can they put around an offensive line? We'll see. Yeah, I mean, I, I like the pick. He needs to stay home. He, has, he does. He's not. He and his family to live too far from Cincy, so I think that that's a good fit for him all all around. So I think he could probably end up being the face a face of the franchise, if you will. So that that should be. That should be fun there. Uh, Washington took Chase Young, another top prospect. I mean, another not not really a big shocker there. I mean, there were some rumors that he may they were you know look going look at Tua and maybe some other guys, but I think Chase Young is probably is a right fit for them. That defense was, for Washington was have, has been garbage the last few years, mm-hmm. so I think he definitely gives them a big sort of jump. And we know you know Chico Rivera is a big defensive guy. We we know this, so, so watch it with the Bears. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In the match made in heaven. Yeah, like you said before, Lakina Ron Rivera runs the whole show now. It's not just the head coach, he's the player personnel guy. Chase Young was the obvious pick. As we said before, Chase Young is the best defensive player in this draft, and he was a top four candidate for the Heisman Trophy. So he wreaks havoc. And like you said, um, outside of Joe Kerrigan and, and Sweat, uh, you really don't have any playmakers on that defense. Chase Young would definitely help. Let's just see if uh, Rivera and the rest of the guys can put some uh, pieces around Young to make uh, the Washington football team a formidable uh, defensive unit. Yeah, I mean, this should this should be this should be really interesting to see what what it does there. So, I'm 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 excited. I mean, this will be interesting to see how patient the people are in Washington because it's going to be kind of like a a new nuanced thing. You know, a whole new defensive scheme. So this should be interesting to see what happens there. Um, Detroit, Jeff Okuda. Chase Young's uh, secondary mates from Ohio State. What do you think about that pick? Because there are there are rumors supposedly that he was gonna, you know, that Detroit was gonna trade down and perhaps maybe try to get some, get maybe get a quarterback perhaps, but that never happened. Who knows if that was a, a smoke screen or not? So, what do you mm-hmm. think about Akuda going to Detroit? So I think it's a good pick for Detroit. Um, they started off hot last year, especially on the defense, and then it got shredded as the year went on. So uh, this is a good start. Uh, as we said before, head coach Matt Patricia is looking for a spark plug, and he, uh, he needs difference makers. So uh, he's got to win going into year number three. If they don't do it, uh, that team is in deep trouble, i.e. him. Shout out the head coach. Yeah, I mean, Slade's Slay, gone, so they need mm-hmm. to kind of pick up the slack for that cornerback. And also, Matt Patricia, of course, his office was totally him. I mean, you know, he may, he may not be wearing pants. Who knows? You know, his son was right there. <laughs> who knows what, what, you know, who knows if he was wearing pants or not, but who knows, but he probably wasn't. Uh, but, yeah, so I, I, I like the pick for them. I, I think, listen, they needed, like I said, Slay gone. You know, they needed a, a replacement for him. And I think Akuto was a first-team All-American, because it's All-American. So I, I, I like the pick. So that should be a good one there. Um, the Giants was kind of a mild surprise. It was just Andrew Thomas, I should say, from who was a, a, a tackle, offensive tackle from Georgia. What do you think about that? Because there have been some people that said that maybe they're going to go defense, maybe. Yeah, I was listening to some uh, New York sports radio over the last week or so, and, and that was the word that uh, GM Day Gilman was going to go after one of the other uh, unsung heroes on, on uh, as far as uh, edge rushers are concerned, because their defense was terrible last year, but you know, you saw the best offensive tackle in the draft. Uh, you're trying to build around franchise quarterback Daniel Jones. You believe that he's the guy, so you need to protect him. So 
And that's what they did with this fourth pick. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm with you. I think this is something that they they had to do. I think they they definitely had a need there that you know keep sure that Daniel Jones doesn't run for his life. So uh, that was a that, I think that was a nice spot. Maybe a lot of people maybe not the what not the old lineman that they people probably thought that would go that high, but I think that was a good pick nonetheless. Um, back to Burrow, Young, and Akuda. They were all Ohio State teammates at one point. So. Because remember, because remember, Burrow was at Ohio State, but then they right, before he transferred, yeah. Yeah, Dwayne Haskins came along, and now and then he ended up leaving. So that whole thing, but that that worked out pretty well for him and for the other two as well. So this is so number five. This is when it got very interesting. There were some rumors that that maybe they were going after Justin Herbert from Oregon. Instead, they went with what we thought they were going to go with, and that was Tua Tagovailoa. I actually got it right. Um, We'll take the small victories in this climate. You take the small victories. So, what do you think about that pick? Uh, Well, Miami got their um, future quarterback. We'll see what they do with backup Josh Rosa, because uh, he didn't look good last year in the spot spot of duty that he had last year. Uh, We all know that Patrick... uh, Fitzpatrick was the starter. They brought him back for another year. So, do I expect Tua to start right away? Right away, especially with his injuries, uh, injury concerns. No, uh, he's their franchise quarterback. Like I said, you want to make sure that he's healthy, uh, fully healthy, 100%. He's got to learn the playbook. So, expect for Ryan Fitzpatrick to at least start the year. Hopefully, he doesn't get hurt. So, uh, but uh, for Tua, uh, this should be a, a learning curve year for him. He may see some action. He may not. I'm talking about doing the regular season, but uh, he should be healthy and, and get in that playbook now. Well, and, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick is an Ivy League guy, so who better to learn the art yeah. of quarterbacking from an Ivy League guy? So, two is in good hands there. All right. Um, going to the guy that a lot of people – that some people thought would actually go ahead of him in Miami, but he ends up going to the Chargers, Justin Herbert. I mean, he comes from a very athletic family – He's you know, this is he's he's very introverted for people who don't know. So this is actually this this whole stay at home order has actually been perfect for him. You know, all, I think all they have like with his parents and his brothers with him. But uh, I think this is a this is a nice pick. I mean, he got better and better. He does tend to make some mistakes at times. We saw it in some of those some of the games. But what do you think about him going to the Chargers? Uh, as we said the last couple of weeks, looking it, it would have been him or Jordan Love. Uh, the uh, would which will have been one of your uh, a franchise or rookie quarterbacks for the Chargers. We all we talked about before that Cam Newton, they didn't want him. They didn't want some of the other guys like James Winston and a few others that were out on the free agent market. So they, um, head coach Anthony Lynn is looking to start fresh. And he picked up Justin Herbert. I'm not surprised by that. By that. And look at the office. They really want to run the ball and play defense, at least for the first year. Uh, Herbert should be good. He's got some decent wide receivers led by veteran Keenan Allen. So, and maybe you, you don't want to put all the eggs in one basket in terms of turning the offense to Herbert. Eventually you will, but I don't think they're going to start him off that way. Yeah, yeah, I don't think so either. I think that I think Taylor's the guy for right now. I think that if he does get hurt or if he's not productive, maybe they'll bring Herbert in. But I think. Mm-hmm. At this point, I think they're just trying to see have an extra insurance there, just in case Ty- Ty- Tyrod Taylor isn't very good. This is more kind of like a like a plan B for the Chargers. I think I think they really are still trying to play for the NFC for the AFC West. I sh- West, I should say. So, I'm thinking that this is probably what their mindset is at this point. 
All right, number seven, we have the Panthers. And listen, I've been, I've been raving about this guy for the last few weeks. Basically, even, even, even during the college football season, you know, he's also an academic All-American too. He actually wants to be a politician once he's once it's all said and done with his football career. Derek Brown, tackle, defensive player of the year for the SEC from Auburn. Look, they, listen, the Panthers, you know, Luke Keeley's gone. A lot of the guys have retired. They need somebody there to kind of help sort of start this new era with Matt Rule and Carolina. I really like this pick. What do you think? Uh, you just took the words right in my mouth. You know, most of the veterans are gone. Like you know, say, Thomas Davis was, is gone to a, a new team. And uh, all the old guard is gone. You need to start young and start fresh. And, and what better way to have this draft pick for Carolina? Especially now with Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback. Maybe they'll do the same thing, just run the ball and play defense and not put all the pressure on Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, absolutely kind of like, you know, take the pressure off him and then, and, you know, be kind of be sort of like that new leader on defense that they desperately mm -hmm. need. I really like the pick. And like I said, I mean, if you saw his, his college, his four college coach, Gus Malzana, his wife, I mean, they were super excited. They love him there at Auburn. So, you know, they, they definitely scored a good one there. The Panthers did. Arizona. Some people will say this is a very interesting pick. They went with linebacker Isaiah Simmons from Clemson. I, was, I, I like the pick. I know some people were kind of like, okay, maybe they could have went, maybe they should have went with either, you know, Derek Brown or Shea who would end up going to the Panthers right behind him. What do you think about that pick? I like this pick, and let me tell you why. And, and we talked about Clemson and LSU when we previewed the national championship game. I really like Simmons because not only he can rush the passer, he can make plays as well. He can, he can make tackles in the open field. As we said for the last few weeks, if you guys paid attention, Arizona needs to fix their defense. What a better way to start off and with that high pick, taking Isaiah Simmons out of, out of Clemson. You, Arizona couldn't have done any better with their first round pick, picking a, a high stud defensive guy who was available on the board. Now you got someone to go with Chandler Jones. Exactly. I mean, I'm not saying that they're done yet, but this is a good start. I, I love that pick. I do too. I mean, I don't understand why some, because we got like some, even some of our old friends were, you know, because we're in the same circle. Some of them were saying, well, wait a minute, I don't know about this. Listen, this guy worked his way up. I mean, he wasn't very highly recruited. I mean, he worked his way up. He, I think he was like a, like a fifth stringer, I think. So he kind of worked his way up, and Dabble Sweeney loves him. So, listen, all ACC was, a, I think, a second or third team All American. I mean, Listen, this is a you need somebody like you said to compliment Tr Chandler Jones, and he is the guy to do it. So, I, I like this pick. I, I think I don't understand why people are were kind of hesitant about it, but I like this pick for Arizona. Like you said, this is a good start for them, and I, I know they're not done. So, and keeping keeping it on the defense side, we got a corner from Florida, C.J. Henderson. I mean, he's very speedy. He's very you know he's got like quick awareness. You know. He's very polished. So what do you think about this pick for Jacksonville? Uh, I know we'll get to that other pick, which I like in just a moment. But as far as this one, their uh, defensive back, they're looking uh, uh, stud to, to replace Jalen Ramsey. Of course, Jacksonville has had all their problems on defense with the aging veterans over the last couple of years after that su uh, surprising season in 2017. Uh, all those aging veterans are gone now. They had their salary cap issues. This is the way you start fresh. Yeah, listen, I, I really like the pick for Jacksonville. I mean, the, the plus he gets to stay home, so which is which is yeah. great. Um, okay, number ten, you got the Cleveland Browns. They end up with Jaderic Willis from 
But Derek Will, Derek Will, let's just say from Alabama. I, I, I like the pick. I think you need somebody that help protect Baker Mayfield. And you know what? I think they found the right guy to do it. Yeah, it's Cleveland. Move on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, they've been they've been doing this with, so. But I really like to pick up this. This guy has got, got a lot of strength, and he's he's just a a freakish athlete. So I, I think they 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 got a good one there. Um, the Jets, Mackay Becton from Louisville. That's another good one there. Mm-hmm. I, I like it too. I like it. Do you like the pick, Sid? No, I do. I, I really have no complaints about it. Uh, the Jets really trying to build up that defense. It was decent last year, even with all the injuries, but they, they're trying to build uh, build a stronger unit. So I like the pick. Me too. I, I think, listen, listen, this guy, if you saw his family, his family, his dad's, I think where, we, where he gets his, his size from, his dad, his dad's like huge. If you didn't get a chance to see him, you get to you know, see his reactions, but his dad is like frequently huge. I think he played sports too at one point. I think his mom did as well. So yeah, definitely a, a good athlete there. Uh, all right, go to the Las Vegas Raiders. You got Henry Ruggs from Alabama, the wide receiver, one of those big playmakers from Alabama. I'm sure he's not going to wear his robe. We still want to wear his robe. <laughs> as long as we weren't close, whatever. I mean, people are always freaking out because he was wearing his bathrobe. Okay, so what? <laughs> but at least he... Yeah, at least he didn't show the goods, if you know what I'm saying. I'm trying to keep it clean for the family, but at least he didn't do anything stupid. So, I'm, like you said, I don't know what the big deal was. Yeah, and I know. I mean, it's like like I said, with this in quarantine, who would they so what? Who cares? But, I mean, but still, I mean, listen, John, if you saw John Gruber's reaction and the rest of his family's reaction, too, because they, they love him, too. So, uh, this is a good pick for, uh, for, for Vegas. I think, listen, they need more playmakers to throw to. Derek Carr does, I think. He was one of the best in the, in the SEC, so this is a good pick for them. Okay, so speaking of Tampa, we're yeah, talking about Tampa. I couldn't agree with more. Yeah, speaking of Tampa, Tristan works from Iowa. I love this guy. I mean, this is a this is a guy that kind of his story is incredible, and you know, he is definitely one of those another one of those like freakishly experienced right tackles. I think. They need somebody to protect Tom Brady, and he'll yeah. have that enviable uh, task. But I think he's up to it. Yeah. Also, you need a uh, need a good solid offensive tackle to um uh, to help out in that running game as well. So we'll get to well, uh, actually, that's one of the teams I expect to pick a running back. We'll get to that uh, uh, um my my unsung players later. But uh, also, you need a good offensive lineman to to uh, help out with hopefully with a strong uh, running game. And that's yeah. something that desperate Tampa desperately needs. Yeah, yeah. I mean that 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 like I said, it was a big problem for them last year too. I think works is a just is a good guy, a good fit there. Um, Javon Kinlaw, defensive tackle from South Carolina, goes to the 49ers. I mean, listen, they needed they needed to replace the Forrest Buckner, and I think he was the perfect guy to do it. He like I said, he had like 50 people in his house, so. <laughs> <laughs> Like uh, okay, yeah. So, so just say, folks. But yeah, but even on a serious note, this is a really good pick for uh, for the 49ers. Yeah, they're building the strength of what got them to the Super Bowl last year, which was their defense. Uh, you need more playmakers, and that's what the 49ers chose to do. Now, I, I want to see the 49ers uh, uh, choose some players on offense, and that's what hurt them last year. But I know, but we'll get to that later. Yeah, yeah, we will. Let's go through. Let's go. Let's do through these real quick. Uh, Jerry Jude. From, uh, I like that. Yeah, I like, I like that. Pick. Yeah. yeah, I like that. Pip in Denver, Drew Lock for right now is their uh, future quarterback at Denver, and plus 
uh, I forgot the uh, Judy could be the uh, secondary wide receiver to Cortland Sutton. Sutton had a good year last year, but now he has some help. Yeah, I think I like that. I like this pick for uh, for Denver. I think was you can't you can never have too many playmakers. That's mm -hmm. that's what it's saying. Um, Atlanta took AJ Terrell from Clemson. Listen, the secondary was a was a big problem for them last year. I think he's a guy that could definitely help in that in that front. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. All right, CD Lamb to Darian Lamb. I don't understand. I can't imagine why his fourth grade football coach couldn't pronounce his name. It's not that hard. <laughs> I, I, right, I mean, I've never understood that. So uh, Oklahoma, all Big Twelve wide receiver. That's got some. That's got some help now. Some playmakers. Yeah, that's a secondary guy that can compliment Amari Cooper, and plus, like you said, it gives Dak Prescott another weapon on offense. And you have a strong running game with Ezekiel Elliott. So, um, uh, new head coach Mike McCarthy, who's, uh, who's in, uh, down there now in the in the Big D, he's going after it right away. You need playmakers to win this week. Absolutely. Um, another good, another good pick for Miami. USC's Austin Jackson, the tackle. I think. Uh, listen again. That O line was a big problem for Miami. I really like this pick. I mean, Austin Jackson. You know, you hear all these raves about him. What do you think about that pick? Protect Tua. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's basically <laughs> what we're talking about here. Yeah. That's basically it. Yeah. All that. Um, Ray, the, uh, the Raiders had another first-round pick via trade. Uh, Damon Arnett, a corner from Ohio State. What do you think about that pick? Uh, the Raiders need playmakers on defense. They really struggled on that, uh, on that end l last year, so – He'll be the guy to help them out to, to turn that situation around. I agree. I like the pick. Um, I know you like this one uh, for the Jags. Jags had another sec another first rounder, Clavon Chasen, edge rusher yes. from LSU. Yes. You love this pick, Sid. Yes, I do because as we mentioned before, actually let's go to Chase out for the second. If you saw him last year, he was one of the big difference makers on the LSU defense, especially in that national championship game against Clemson. And now back to Jacksonville, all those aging veterans who are cut or released and they were injured, they're no longer there. This is another fresh start. You need an edge rusher, and he's the young player that can start that trend upwards for, uh, for Jacksonville. I'm not saying Jacksonville is going places, but it looks like uh, uh, they, they get uh, they get in the fresh start. We'll, we'll see what happens. But I do like this pick by Jacksonville and choosing an edge rusher. Yeah, they definitely need it, like you said, with all the guys retiring and either being released or being traded. So I think – you know, starting from scratch, I think that helps a lot. Love him. Uh, Jalen Rieger from TCU, wide receiver, goes to Phillies. Do say Philly fans are not very happy about that pick? If you saw the They're comments. never happy about anything. No, no, they, they boots <laughs> out. Well, it's not so, a big Go <laughs> figure, but uh, I think this is a nice pick. I mean, it, 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 listen, Carson always needs somebody to throw to, so. Yeah, like, like, like you mentioned, uh, all those injuries and the uh, Alshon Jeffrey after the Super Bowl a year, a couple of years ago, he's been MIA because of injuries and lack of production. And also the other wide receiver has uh, have been banged up the last couple of years. So like you said, Wentz needs a playmaker. Hopefully they get, they got in with this pick. Let's hope so. Uh, Minnesota, who I believe got probably the seal of the draft. They traded up. They got the pick from Buffalo. Justin Jefferson, one of Joe Burrow's top guys from LSU. I like it. So he would get to play Stephon Diggs. Yeah, he's uh, supposed to be the number one wide receiver. You still have Adam Thielen right there. 
Uh, they don't have any other wide receivers there or, uh, that scare you off the depth chart. So let's see what Jefferson can bring, especially in this uh, NFC North division with the defense of the Packers, which I think they traded down, but that's a whole other story. And <laughs> hopefully the Bears defense can stay at the top five spots. So we'll see what uh, what Jefferson can do against some of the top defenses in this division, some of the top corners in this division. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting. You definitely have his work cut out for him. Uh, Kenneth Murray, the Chargers, they, they traded, got it back in, this, in the first round from New England, linebacker from Oklahoma. Yeah, as we mentioned before, the Chargers uh, were like to run the ball and play defense. Their defense is not bad. I know they had a bunch of injuries last year, especially in their secondary. So uh, we'll, we'll see uh, what they can do with everybody healthy and with that draft pick. Should be interesting there. Um, I like listen, I like this pick for New Orleans from Michigan center Cesar Ruiz. His 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 story is very intriguing. You know, if you haven't learned about his story, um, but you know, all Big Ten. I mean, this is a guy that he can jump out of a pool, but he's actually athletic. So I know Bears fans were making jokes about that, but he's actually a really good athlete. So I I, I really like him. I really like this pick for New Orleans. Yeah, he's going to protect Drew Brees for at least 2020, maybe longer, but maybe for a new New Orleans quarterback after this season, we shall see. Some people thought he was going to fall into the second round, but um, the Saints say, nope, let's, let's go grab him while we can. I know, I know our buddy Mark Grody, who does great work for on the score and does Barry Sally Reporter. I know for uh, – In front of the show. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I know he really liked him, so he was hoping the Bears he would be there for the Bears, but alas, he wasn't. But the Saints got the good one here. Um, Brenna uh, Aluk from uh, Arizona State, from San Francisco. They got back in, this, in the first round via trade with Minnesota. I like this pick. I mean, I, I know they wanted Keneal Henry last year, but they just missed him. Ended up going to the Patriots, so they got, like, a really good wide receiver, all Pac-12. Yeah, let's see if he can step up and become that number one tar target for Jimmy Garoppolo because, let's be honest here, San Francisco didn't really have a number one wide receiver last year. Marquis Goodwin, MIA. They traded for Emmanuel Sanders. He had his moments, but excuse me. But uh, there's no playmakers on, on that side of the ball for San Francisco. Hopefully he could be that guy for Jimmy yeah, G. That, yeah, yeah, we'll see. I mean, that was their – like you said, that was their big issue for them last year. They came back to fight him, unfortunately, in the Super Bowl. Um, this is a very interesting pick. There's a lot of buzz about this one. Uh, we were talking about Jordan Love. We were talking about for the last couple of weeks. He ends up going to Green Bay. There was a Houston pick, there was a Miami pick, now it's a Green Bay pick. They traded, uh, it was a three-way, uh, this is like changed multiple hands. So Aaron Ross was, was actually on uh, Pat McAfee's podcast, and he said, we need playmakers, we need wide receivers, we need another running back. Well, Aaron looks like they may have, may have drafted a replacement instead. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> yeah, this is what happens. This is the business of the National Football League, right? Yeah. So, and, and as I said before, I think Green Bay is trending down because you know, you saw what happened in the NFC title game last year. Uh, their defense got exposed. The offensive line wasn't that great. Let's be honest, Aaron Rodgers didn't have that great of a year last year. He had his moments. He was very, very good. But he did not have an Aaron Rodgers type year because uh, head coach, uh, his name escapes me, for uh, Matt LaFleur. So he decided to uh, run the ball. You have one of the best young running backs in the game in Aaron Jones. And so he utilized him. And you saw what happened. You, you had a balance with that Packers offense, so you didn't have to depend on rushes like you had the last few years. So he, I know he's the competitor. I expect him to say things like that. But you're Green Bay. You 
you have to address your future because, uh, as, as we know here in Chicago, like, you know, especially with a bunch of new players that cannot handle success, it starts to trend down. And especially with that roster that Green Bay had last year, I think you got the best out of them. They, uh, some of those players are gone now, like Blake Martinez and a few other guys from their defense. So uh, you got to stay young and stay fresh. Uh, you, everybody can't grow old together, as they say. Absolutely. So see what happens as it's unfolds in Green Bay. Um, back-to-back linebackers go going uh, in the 27-28. You got Jordan Brooks coming from Texas Tech. Not flashy, but you know, this, this could be a fit right in with that defense for uh, Seattle. That should be that should be a good uh, pickup for them. Patrick Queen goes to LS from LSU goes to Baltimore. Listen, you can never have too many uh, front seven guys in Baltimore. <laughs> Yeah, defense is their calling card. That's a, their identity for that franchise. And so it, they did well last year. Let's see if they can do it, do better for 2020. All right, Isaiah Wilson goes to Tennessee. Tackle. I mean, that's an extra extra insurance for Ryan Tannehill. That's pretty cool. Yeah, he just got fresh cash as well, so we got to protect him at all costs. Ex- exactly. Noah and in, in way I, I can't say his name. The corner from Auburn. Another nice little pickup for for the Dolphins. So they're definitely building for the future. I like that pick. Um, Minnesota, Jeff Gadney from TCU. Again, not very flashy, but he is a, a freakish athlete. So that's a nice pickup pick for them. And Cl- and last but not least, the Super Bowl champion, Clyde. Oh, my computer froze. Froze on me. Sorry. Oh, Clyde. Yeah, Cl- yeah, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire from uh, the running back out of uh, – Oh, LSU, I'm sorry. Yeah, LSU. I got I got my notes here, Lakita, so I, I got you on that one. They're running back out of LSU. Uh, I thought that the Kansas City was going to pick up J.K. Dominic. We'll discuss him later. But um, you couldn't do uh, any worse if you're Kansas City. You know, they, they struggled at the running back position last year. I know Damian Williams was good for them, but you can't have, not have enough playmakers, especially at their running back position. You know, hopefully you got someone that, that compliment Mr. Williams at the uh, in the backfield. Yeah, I mean, that was, that's a nice little pickup for them. And listen, he was probably, that's probably one of the, the big, I think he's like number two or three in rushing the SEC. So they got a good one there. Kansas, Kansas City does just continue loading up. You know, Andy Reid's just chilling. So <laughs> right now, if you want to try to do like maybe we're up against it, but do you want to try to do maybe do like preview a little bit of later rounds or you want to wait for part two? Uh, let, let's do it quickly in part two. Okay. All right, sounds good. So, okay, we're gonna take a quick break. Uh, we're gonna talk about, you know, what we, we expect from, you know, the draft coming up. We got the Bears coming with two picks. Do so they take a quarterback with one of those picks? And also some really good players that are still available. Oddly enough, you may be surprised at who's still out there. Also, we'll talk about the uh, first two parts of the Last Dance and other stuff too. I mean, sports could be coming back soon, and a lot more coming up. We're gonna take a, a quick break. So Zeka City Sports on Zoom, stay tuned for Power 2, uh, Part 2, I should say. We'll see you in a bit. Hey folks, welcome back to part two of Second City Sports Zoom style. 
right here Zoom on style. Zoom style, right here on here on Zoom. I'm Lakina McGee. You follow me at Kina McGee on Twitter and Kina underscore me on Instagram. I'm Sid the Kid. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at SidKid80. Once again, at SidKid80. S-I-D-K-I-D-A-0. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-A-0. You can read all of my articles at WeAreRegalRadio.com, including my column, which we'll probably discuss next week, my top 20 uh, facial dunks of all time in the NBA. That's <laughs> at W-E-A-R-E-R-E-G-A-L Radio.com. Exactly. So we got a lot to get to in part two. So... Continuing with the draft first, um, there are still some big names that are still out there withstanding in the draft. I mean, it, it's sort of interesting that there are still like all these names. You got DeAndre Swift from Georgia, um, Ross Blaylock from TCU, Xavier McKinney from Alabama as a safety. A lot of people thought he'd be gone by now. AJ Spenza from Iowa, he's who's an edge guy, edge rusher, um, T. Higgins. From Clemson, um, still, so, still so a lot, of, a lot of big names. You know, Antoine Whitfield Jr. is a name that's being floated around. Jonathan Taylor is another name. So it's gonna be interesting to see where all these names go. Yeah, like I say, it's just, it should be the interesting second and third rounds tonight, which is Friday. Uh, Friday, you're listening on a different day on the flashback. But um, this focusing on the Bears for a minute. They, as we talked about the last few weeks, looking they. Uh, they, they have needs in just about every position, but especially at tight end with the release of Trey Burden. Are we surprised? No. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, um, thank you. Um, uh, they definitely need help at tight end. You have you have Cole uh, Kemet uh, uh, out of Notre Dame. You, you have uh, also uh, Grant Delpit, uh, the wide receiver out of out of. Um, Sorry, the safety out of LSU, sorry. LSU, we, yeah. In the last couple of weeks, Eddie Jackson needs another partner back there at safety. So uh, he, he's definitely an option out there. Also, you got Bryce Hall out of Virginia. And you have uh, Chase uh, Claypool, wide receiver out of Notre Dame. Uh, the Bears can use some more playmakers, especially at that wide receiver position. Anthony Miller, uh, now he's going to his third year out of Memphis. He's been hit and miss, uh, part of it due to injuries, another part due to immaturity. So... And also, you release Taylor Gabriel due to his injury issues. So, you definitely need some playmakers at that wide receiver position. Also, pay attention to this name, offensive tackle Josh Jones out of the University of Houston. Because could he be a player that the Bears look at tonight in one of those second round, one of those uh, uh, two second round draft picks? Michael Pittman Jr. is another name that's you know that's, that's still out there. Um, I'll be interested to see if if the Bears decide to go with the QB. There's some buzz of maybe that, listen, Jalen Hurts is still out there. Um, you know, Jake Fromm from Georgia is out there as well. So I'm interested to see, do they go quarterback with these these uh, these two second-round picks? Do they trade down and probably get even more first more uh, picks for the later round? So I'm, I'm interested to see what the Bears decide to do here. I think I think I said this last week, Lakina, they should trade one of those second-round picks to get more picks, but – I would not be surprised that they stay pat of where they're at. Um, like we said before, the, uh, this thing has a, a, a lot of needs. And also they're trying to win now, thanks to your GM and your head coach, because of what happened last year. We're finishing at a disappointing eight and eight. So um, whatever they do, they need impact players and the impact players now. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, listen, like, like we were saying, a lot of names are still out there. So these next couple of days, both – 
tonight and tomorrow will be interesting to see what the Bears do and if there's going to be picks that are, we're going to be like, okay, what the heck are they doing or with any team for that matter. So that's probably what the best part is about the draft. So yeah, also pay, yeah. Also pay attention to these last couple names. Uh, AJ at Penza from Edge Russia out of Iowa. Curtis Weaver out of Boise State. He's also Edge Rush and also Jeremy Chin out of Safety out of SIU. So let's see yeah. if he's an option for the Bears tonight. Yeah, it'll be yeah. Listen, like I said before, those are fascinating names. It'll be there's a lot of names out there still, and I'm sure a lot of those guys are gonna be having their names called tonight. We'll see what the Bears do. Do they stand pad like you said? Do they trade down to get more picks because they don't have a fourth round pick? So we just see what they do there. Yeah. Also, too, uh, uh, now since we're still in the draft, I, I I wanted to bring this up in our first segment, but we ran out of time. I'll, I'll bring it up here. Running back J.K. Thomas, I'm really high on him from Ohio State. There's a few teams that could use him. We talked about one of them, Tampa Bay. They could use him. Do you really trust Ronald Jones? No. <laughs> and also Jacksonville could use him as well. Now they're trying to trade Leonard Fournette. Yep. If you believe in Yeah. How exactly. ironic. <laughs> How ironic. Last year he was talking about bringing on Cam Newton. He, now he's on the training block. So... <laughs> We'll see what what happens there. Uh, yeah, Dobbs. I was surprised. Dobbs is still out there, but like you said, I mean, they they need. There are a lot of teams that need running back help, so I'm sure he'll have his name Seattle. called tonight. Yeah, oh yeah, Seattle. Yep, absolutely. So yeah, so I would be surprised. If we'll he'll he'll be one of the first names that gets called tonight at six o'clock on ESPN and NFL Network. Should be fun. Um, okay, going into the. Going to the last dance or a review of did you, did you yeah. see the first did you see the first did you see the first two parts of the last dance, Sid? Oh yes I did. And I saw them both live too. Great job by Jason Hare, the director. We all know Michael Jordan was the head creator of this. He decided what to what scenes got put on TV, what not and what did not make the cut. I, I, I sorry I'm kinda of jumping all over the place. We'll we'll I know we'll come back to this thought, but I want to see, um, you know, the, the the premiere did well for ESPN in terms of ratings-wise. I want to see if ESPN will will, will release some extra footage, but you, because you know there's going to be some extra stuff that they cannot air. I, I'm just, I'm waiting for that. I'm waiting I mean, for that. I mean, yeah, I mean, ESPN showed the unfiltered version, so I'm wondering if there's even more unfiltered stuff that we, you know, that hit the color cutting room floor. So we'll be interested to see if they decide to kind of have like unseen, unfiltered, unseen footage, if you will. So we'll see what they do. We'll see what they do there. Um, Jason actually said that he's still editing the last two parts. Because remember they said that they thought that they were going to mm-hmm. have a little bit more time, but since, you know, there was this outcry for it to release now, he's had to kind of like spend hours and hours in his office trying to edit it. He did a really good job of the first two. We'll see what happens with, uh, three or four, which will air on Sunday night on ESPN. I think they're going to do the same thing they did last week. I think they're going to have ESPN too, only a more kind of like without the bleeps, without the curse words. So right. nice thing for the kids to watch. So if you want to watch the kids to watch. Um, Twitter was very interesting because I, I live tweeted and then I also saw, I saw your, your tweets too, but I also saw like mm-hmm. some of the other people tweeting, um, it, it, it's sort of it's sort of interesting because a lot of this stuff we already knew, Sid. I mean, yeah. Tim Floyd kind of spilled some tea saying that they were already that Jerry Krause already contacted him even before during the ninety six ninety seven season. Yeah. Oddly enough, so while he was over at Iowa State, of course. So 
there's still like a lot of stuff that I've seen a lot of people kind of like, oh Lord, and then like a lot of stuff that we already knew. So what did you think about the first two parts of The Last Dance, Sid? Oh, I, I enjoyed them very much because uh, like you mentioned, like, you know, uh, we both grew up here in Chicago, still live here. We experienced this from just about from day one. So we were old enough to experience the highs and the lows for the, for the Chicago Bulls. Now, one of the stories that I wanted to bring up was, uh, did you catch the part when Michael Jordan, there was something about his um, training camp during his rookie season. They trained in Peoria for crying out loud. And he, he was trying to find one of his teammates and he knocked on the door. And one of them asked, who is he? He was MJ. He opened up the door and he saw all the illegal stuff with the cocaine and the weed yeah. and the liquor <laughs> and the women. And I said, uh, 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 he didn't see this in North Carolina. Not knocking him on anything like that, but we all know on the college campus, especially in today's society, where drugs are glorified, you know, he didn't get to see that, especially back then. But we got to remember as well as uh, older folk that um, drugs was um, not saying it's not a problem today because it still is. It's just not throwing it in your face 24-7. Number two, it's been glorified by certain aspects of hip-hop music. But um, back in those days, uh, remember, where drugs were rampant, especially in our, in our communities with automatic weapons and people going to jail left and right and so it was a free-for-all back then so if, so uh when michael said uh, uh he made the decision right there i didn't want to participate because and he said in the documentary yep. if the police come in even though i didn't participate i'll, I'll, I'll be associated with yep. him and, and he would have been arrested so he's i made the decision right there right then and then to just to be by myself and plus, he mentioned that his mother came and lived with him for the first couple of years of his career. So he bought the house in Orland Park, and not Orland Park, in Highland Park. Highland so, Park, yeah. That, yeah, so that was not the best decision he's made in his life. So uh, it, it should be a lesson to everybody, especially to the young people out there watching, you know. The, the decision that you made today uh, will have an impact for the rest of your life, especially in situations like that. I think from what I've read from what he said, he's kind of a very sheltered life when he was in North Carolina. So, uh, maybe, maybe mm -hmm. he was maybe he was telling the truth when he said that he never he never saw it like in person. So maybe he didn't. I don't I don't know. But uh, I mean, I, I think this is a big city. Chicago was being the big city, so you know maybe he maybe he didn't see it when he was in North Carolina. I don't know. But uh, I mean, I, I love that story. I'm glad he was smart and decided, hey, I'm, listen, I'm getting get me out of here. Like I'm not I'm not getting mm -hmm. in the middle of that. So. I, was, I say good for him, and like I said, having his mother there for those first couple of years, that they really kind of kept him on the cusp of being one of the greatest ever. Mm -hmm. So that was a very smart decision. And Miss Dolores looks great. She looks, she's like almost eighty, and <laughs> I saw a couple of guys <laughs> on Twitter. I saw a couple yeah, of guys on Twitter trying to shoot their shot at her, like, "Oh God, <laughs> you guys are are, are, are nutty." Leave Mrs. Uh, John alone. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, "Mrs. gonna get y'all. Y'all gonna leave his mama alone." Uh, exactly. Just a couple of things on, on that uh, on that scene, Lakina. One, if Michael Jordan would have made the uh, the wrong decision, trust me, this documentary would have been something else in a different light, and he wouldn't be what he is today. And number two, and, and the story uh, behind the transactions didn't get out as much back then, but if you remember who was on that team, which Michael did not name, by the way, in that no, story he that he told, he did not name not one, one nope. teammate, but if you remember Orlando Woolwich and Quentin Daly, who are now both passed on, yep. it confirmed to me that uh, it wasn't made a big deal at the time, but especially Orlando Woolwich, who was suspended by the league, Yep. After he left Chicago, he was with New Jersey for a couple yep. of years before he went on to the Lakers. He had a drug issue, so I said, 
Uh, and mm. you know he was on that team, so I said, yeah. uh, it confirmed to me that, uh, and it was one of the first moves that Jerry Krause made. We'll get into him in just a second. But it was one of the first moves that Jerry Krause made following the 86 season. He got rid of Orlando Woolrich and Quinn Davis, who had already had his issues coming into the league. He was gone too. So we know that those two for sure had had their issues. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I mean, I, I remember. I, it kind of like sort of like the light bulb kind of clicked in my head because I remember Orlando Woolridge, you know, because I think it started right at Notre Dame. I think. Yeah, he, he went to Notre Dame. Yes. Yeah, and he, I don't. I don't think Digger Phelps has ever said it, but he did say that. I think I remember Digger Phelps sharing a story that he kind of had to kind of like reach out to Orlando if, you know and ask like, was he doing okay? So when he was still in college, so I'm wondering, was that did that kind of play a part as well? And you know, Quinn Daly, I think same thing. He was having problems when he was in college, so at college mm-hmm. as well. So that that I think that kind of like hmm, I wonder if that that was why. And you know, smart, you know, very smart of Jordan to kind of say, you know what, I don't need this. I'm trying to listen. I'm trying to do my thing here. I ain't in it. So I, yeah. he just left. So you know, yeah, just, just for back, yeah, just for factual purposes, both Orlando Woolwich and Quinn Daly have both passed on. So yes. Quinn Daly passed away in 2010. Of Woolwich in 2012. Yeah. So. Yeah, so just just a sad, sad story in that aspect for those two because, you know, it, it's just a shame. But like you said, I mean, in the 80s, you know, unfortunately those things were rampant. And very nicely done by Jason Barrett to kind of put the, the, the hip-hop music in the background. Yeah. I'm back yeah. by LL Cool J. I happen to think it's one of his un- most underrated uh, classics in hip-hop because it kind of fit what was happening during the mid and late 80s in the cities. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All I'm all I'm missing from that L Cool J song was where's the boombox? Yes. I was waiting to see him in a boombox. <laughs> <laughs> but that that song, and, and uh, because that song was played uh, over the over the the clips that Michael Jordan scored 63 points against Boston in the '86 playoffs in Game Two, it fit just perfectly. And you couldn't have written a script any better how to put a scene music over a powerful scene like that with those highlights. Jordan uh, score was scoring on everybody. Walton, Burr, the late yeah. great Dennis Johnson, uh, Danny Ainge, Scott Wedman, everybody tried to guard him. And he, he was just, he was the baddest man on the court that day. He just could not be stopped. Unfortunately, the Bulls lost the game. But with that being said, uh, Jordan was the best player on that court that day. And, and I'm, I'm surprised a little bit to see that that record still stands to this day in 2020. I know a couple of players took a shot at it uh, over the last 25 years. Charles Berkeley had 56 points back in the 94 playoffs in Game 3 at Golden State. Allen Iverson, I believe it was Game 2 or Game 5 that he scored his 56 in the 2001 playoffs against Toronto when he was with Philadelphia. Uh, he had a couple of other players try. I thought Kevin Durant was going to break the record a, a few times. He uh, he hasn't come that close. I think he had a 50-point game with the Warriors. Mm-hmm. His last year with the Warriors in the playoffs, I think it was against the Clippers. Yeah. If my memory serves correct. Yeah, it I'm was. James, yeah, I'm surprised James, James Harden hasn't come close to that record yet. We know how his game is to, in today's NBA. So, will that will that record be uh, will be broken? I still think it will, but it may it might be later rather than sooner. And uh, poor Rick Carlisle. I mean. <laughs> I'm sure he still has nightmares about that. You ask him now, like, good Lord, I'm like, why, why, why? <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm sure some people have reached out to him, and I don't think he wants to talk about it. He probably, <laughs> I can't say I blame him. But uh, <laughs> the weird thing about it is that MJ and Danny Ainge actually ended up going golfing together. 
So for anybody, yeah. so for anybody that gets miffed at LeBron and CP3 and all of them for kind of like you know engaging and like you know doing stuff together, they were doing it back then. So for anybody that gets all all bad shape, they were doing it then. So I, you know, come on now, there was no there were no banana boats obviously back then, but. Uh, <laughs> But I mean, there was no inter- yeah, there was no internet back then. There was no social media, social media. back then either. So, uh, so uh, uh, you heard those things uh, here and there. The story behind it, well, it was between games one and two, and um, and uh, Danny H told the story that him and Michael Jordan went golf, and afterwards, uh, Jordan told uh, Dennis Johnson, "I have something special for you and your team tomorrow." And then we saw what happened with the sixty-three point performance. And also for anybody that says something that bad, bad about the Eastern Conference, the Bulls got in with what was it, twenty six wins that year? 30, 30 wins. And Thirty wins. Know, yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't know that until I read the uh, NBA encyclopedia uh, uh, when I was a kid. I was like, they really. I know Jordan was out for most of the year, but they won that by 30, uh, 30 total wins. And, and and speaking of that story, which was is a perfect segue. Um, when Jordan uh, decided to come back, he wanted to come back. First of all, he went down to North Carolina without telling the organization. Yeah. There was strike one. Strike two, when he came back, um, Jerry Krause, who was just hired as the GM at that time, he had a sitting at the games with a timer exactly 14 minutes per yep. game, seven minutes per half. Yep. That was strike two. Number three, did you see the, the team that they beat to, uh, to clinch that playoff spot? And oh, who Indiana. Yeah, yeah, especially for our younger folks. This was before Rick Smith, Reggie Miller, and all all those guys. I think, uh, well, Scott Scouts was part of that early uh, core when Donnie Walsh got there. I think it was a year later. But before all the big names that you know today, Indiana uh, was a bad team. And may it so rest in peace. I think Dr. Jack Ramsey was coaching back then, too. He was coaching that team back then. But uh, um, Jordan, it was uh, 30 seconds left to go in that game. And his time was up. I'm using air quotes for those just listening. Um, his <laughs> time was up. So he was begging Stan Allback to get in the game. Um, and Stan Allback, who was the head coach at the time, said, if I put you back in, I'm going to lose my job, which he ended up uh, being fired after that season anyway. So they didn't put Jordan in. And John Paxson, of all people, yep. <laughs> this game went his shot. If you know John Paxson's game, he was a setup shooter. He did not create off the dribble. Of course, in later years, he, his shots came from off of those teams of Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen. We'll get to Scottie in a minute. But his, his, his open shots came off double teams of Michael and Scottie. Same with B.J. Armstrong. But Paxton turned around, turns around, just throws up his lucky shot and winning. He had to barely beat a bad Pacers team. I said, how ironic is that? Yeah, the- well, listen, there's so much irony there. I mean, <laughs> I mean, just, just that whole thing, I mean, that, that whole game. And it, it's sort of one of those things where, yeah, yeah, John Paxson had that shot back then, too. Um, and, you know, the coach ended up getting, getting fired anyway. You know, Doug Collins ended up replacing him. So that, that ended up not being a, a big thing. So, yeah, they got it with 30 wins. So for anybody that likes to, you know, say mean things about the Eastern Conference, well, then back, well, back then he got it with 30 wins. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, so that that you know, the interesting story there over with, with that whole thing, it, it just kind of reinforces, you know, listen, God rest his soul, he passed away right before they started doing that documentary Jerry Krause did. So it, it, it's listen. You could, it both could be true. I mean, listen, was he a great executive? Yes. Was he not mm-hmm. the smartest in some, in some respects? 
No, both of those both of those can be true. Yeah, and the way that this documentary um, was set up, that he was set up to be the, be the villain, which I was not surprised because let's be honest, if Jerry Krause, at least publicly uh, in front of the in, in front of the um, Bulls players, was uh, socially awkward. He, he was the villain, so he was not well liked there. But uh, just hearing stories now, especially with everybody and their mama being interviewed this week on national and local radio, he was uh, uh, referring to crowds. So he was uh, very much a, a different man away from it all. But in, in front of the cameras and stuff, he was just this, uh, I don't want to say slick, but uh, he, he was a very uh, control, he was a, a control freak and he worked very secretive. But like you say, Lakina, did he uh, do what he was supposed to do? Yes, outside of Michael Jordan, he drafted and traded for everybody else and, and bringing up the 87 drive, which they did in these first two episodes. Uh, he drafted Horace Grant. He traded for Scottie Pippen on draft day. They originally drafted Older Powell, and the Seattle drafted Pippen, and they swapped, uh, swapped uh, picks um, after that. But Krause did do his job, but uh, he just had horrible, horrible people skills. And Michael Jordan uh, picked on him a lot. Uh, Scottie Pippen did too. But uh, in terms of Jordan, everybody believed what he said because he was the great Michael Jordan. Now, did I agree with everything he said and did? No, but people believed Michael because he was the great Michael Jordan, especially when he came to crowds calling him crumbs and saying all the other stuff. And they played a couple of clips and as like, did those diet pills work or something to that effect? And the, and the rest of the uh, um, the people around us started laughing. So uh, I expected crowds to be set up as the villain in this, in this documentary, but Maybe hopefully it was uh, tur uh, turn around to to see that he was also damn good at what he did by putting that team together. It, now, it, did it bother him? Hopefully we'll see this as the series goes on. Did it bother him that he didn't get the uh, full credit? Yes, it did, especially because he didn't draft Michael Jordan. Uh, Rod Thorne did in 85. Yeah. So uh, uh, did he have an ego? Sure he did. Everybody has egos, especially then with professional sports. But just hopefully um, he, um, he will get the credit in this documentary that he did do a good job. Now, was he a people's per people person uh, and, uh, with the Bulls? Probably not, but he did do what he was supposed to do, build a championship contender, putting the right pieces around Jordan and Pippen. Speaking of Pippen, nice segue there, Sid, again. Scotty Pippen. He was, he was just, you know, grew up in a small town in Arkansas. Now, I did not know this. I don't think any, any, of, any of us did that his father had a stroke. He was wheelchair bound. And also, his, his older brother had medical issues, too. I guess I think he was playing basketball or something. And he had a. I think it was he, wrestling as a freak accident in wrestling. Yeah, so wrestling. He, got, he like hit his head or yeah. something or something mm -hmm. like that. And the wrestling move. So, you know, he basically was sort of like the. Like the breadwinner, and he worked his butt off. I mean, he went to Central Arkansas, which back then was an NAIA school, um, and he kind of worked his way up. You know, he became like one of the, the, the top players in the draft. I don't think a, a lot of people didn't know who Scotty Pippen was. They actually referred to him as Scott Pippen, which kind of like <laughs> threw, I think it threw a lot of people off when they when they drafted him. But you know, I don't think he gets his due. He's one of those guys that I don't think. If he had not been there, I don't think the Bulls wouldn't have been as, as successful as they were. What do you think about that? Oh, I couldn't agree with you more, Lakina. And Michael Jordan said it too. If it wasn't for Scottie Pippen, and plus with Jordan pushing Pippen, that um, they wouldn't be uh, they wouldn't be one of the greatest, arguably the greatest duo ever to play the game. So 
Michael needed Scotty. Obviously, Scotty, Scotty needed Michael. But uh, going back to his uh, family upbringing, yes, he was the breadwinner of that family. And yes, he signed that long-term deal was which is seven years and eighteen million dollars at the time. But he had to know that when Mr. Reinstor said no renegotiating, he meant to no renegotiating. Michael Jordan mentioned that too in the documentary episode two. And um, of course, if you remember, Scottie Pippen had surgery over the over that summer after that '97 championship. He pulled a Shaquille O'Neal. If I get injured injured on company time, I'm gonna get surgery on company time. So that's what happened there. And I kind of understand Jordan's point when Jordan said that Scotty was being a little selfish instead of thinking of the team. Now, I do see it on the other side, too, that Pippen wanted to be taken care of. I understood why he signed the deal at the time to take care of his family, but he didn't have the foresight to see what we saw in the 90s, you know, uh, all the money coming in from the TV networks and the uh, ticket sales and the merchandise. And the, the NBA just exploded along with the other professional sports in the 90s because of a more radio and TV exposure. And this was on the cutting edge of the Internet, which we haven't talked about because it wasn't, it didn't exist back then. Uh, the internet was in its baby stages uh, in the mid towards the late 90s. So uh, the NBA was exploding financially at that time, becoming a global game, which we see today. But as far as Scottie Pippen, I don't blame him for taking care of his family, but, you know, you should have held out for a better deal. But And that's on him. Yeah, like I said before, I think it's, it's twofold. So, and I, I, I listen, and I, I think that, you know, at the time, he had to sign that contract because he was trying to take care of his family. He ended up building mm-hmm. a house for his parents and and, and his siblings. But, uh, I mean, Jimmy Sexton was his original agent. And he is now managing guys like Philip Rivers and Nick Saban. So, he actually, I mean, he was probably young himself. He was probably just starting mm-hmm. out, too. So, he probably didn't know or didn't probably wasn't aware of, you know, that was, you know, Mr. Reinsdorf saying where, okay, you know, you signed this contract, I'm not renegotiating. So, and I, I think all of that kind of sort of manifested and that mm-hmm. Mr. Submarine commercial, which has since resurfaced, if you remember, he <laughs> went to the level bulls and now it all makes sense now. He didn't have a choice, but because listen, he was trying to make some extra coin, which I don't blame him for. Right. And he had a couple of the Nike commercials in there too, towards the late 90s. Um, uh, there was a stat that was in, in Nuff, I almost forgot about this at the time. Um, it was put in a documentary. He was the sixth highest p- paid player on the team, the 122nd highest paid player in the league. Yeah. Get heading to that final championship season. Yeah, Grant, this was before all the big TV deals and all of that was going around. So at the time, yeah, but I'm, I'm sure if you, I'm sure, and he has said this, and, and he knows this. You ask him now, I think he probably realized that maybe that wasn't the best contract for him to sign at the time. I mean, hindsight, you know, and also now he's fired from being the the ambassador of the Bulls. So, you know, like, you know, go 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 figure in that respect as well. <laughs> yeah, he wanted to do little work and get paid more, and the Bulls said no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah, so, but he's, he's doing pretty well. I mean, he's, he's doing it on TV over at ESPN. He's, uh... Uh, and I was on the jump, so he does a good job there. So I'm sure he'll, I'm sure he's doing okay. Um, now the next two parts, which will air on Sunday, this is going to focus on Dennis Rodman and the yes. Detroit Pistons. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Oh, that's, oh yes. it'll be so much fun. Uh, uh. Isaiah Thomas has been having a good time mentioning it. Not to his credit, though, he's really the one of the few people that can say 
he beat MJ, he beat Larry Bird, he beat Magic in their mm-hmm. prime. And Primes, their yeah. Prime. So this is going to be very interesting. If you saw this, Ramos 30 for 30, that's nothing compared to what you'll probably see in these next two parts. So I'm looking forward to that. Unfiltered, let's go. Yeah, I'm also looking forward to those stories about the Detroit Pistons. I'm surprised they didn't tell this in the first two parts. Hopefully, and I do mean hopefully they tell the friction between Jordan and Isaiah, especially what happened in the 85 All-Star game in Indianapolis. Uh, if you remember, most of the veterans were jealous of, of a rookie Jordan that came into the league with a fur coat and a gold chain. He already had the shoe deal, so he was making um, money hand and foot over the guys that have been in the league. Um, for eight, nine, ten years. So I hope they tell that story, and maybe they'll tell the story about what happened on the Dream Team back then. So all that kind of services in one big bubble between the Bulls and the Pistons. And I'm sure they're going to tell the story about Rick Bohorn yanking down Jordan in that game in January of 88. Uh, He fighting the whole organization, as John Selly was quoted in that 30 for 30 documentary about the bad boy Pistons. I was actually watching this game the other day, and they did reference the Jordan uh, the game. They actually showed the clip where he got hurt in the third game of the year in the first game of the Bulls West Coast Road Trip back in 80, 85. It was doing his second year when he got hurt with his broken foot. Yeah. And if you remember, uh, the game before he got hurt, they played the Pistons. And I actually watched this on YouTube the other day. Please, folks, go to YouTube and watch the whole game. Uh, Michael got fouled hard by Lane Beer. And then Chuck Davis. Yeah. Got clothesline, I think, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. And Chuck Daly was the coach at the time. I think it was in his second or third year. I can't remember. But head coach of the Bulls, Stan Albright, comes running from the other side of the court and punches <laughs> Chuck Daly. Now, I don't know if you saw that clip, but that was hilarious. I said, that's kind of where it all started then. The Pistons weren't a contending team yet, but uh, they were start- they were starting to get uh, known for the for dirty stuff up uh, place like that, so. I doubt that they put that part in the documentary, but th- things were steaming up then, uh, leading up to um, uh, the uh, the first time they met up in the playoffs in '88. Of course, we all know what happened then. Of course, followed by '89 and '90. Of course, I cannot wait till they tell what happened in '91. Because, like I always tell people, if it wasn't for uh, the Pistons, and Michael Jordan said this too uh, many years ago yeah. on camera, if it wasn't for the Pistons, um, none of those six champ- championships, especially that first one, would have been possible. Yeah, I mean, it, like I said, it'll be interesting to do how how deep they go into it because mm-hmm. you know they're they're listen, you know, Jordan rules, if you will. That's kind of how that all yeah, that started. Talk I mean, about that, yes. Yep, and they, you know, he was getting punched, he was getting clothesline. I mean, he was getting choked. I mean, you know, they were they were just you know having like a rag doll. And if you saw listen, if you saw him in college, I mean, he was very skinny. And it was mm-hmm. after that. It was actually after that season where he had that foot injury. He started putting more muscle. If you saw him mm-hmm. that, that you know that next season, he had, you know, I'm sure they're going to show it. He has, mm-hmm. you know, he was starting to show, you know, a weight, re- yeah, he started doing a weight regimen. He was showing more yeah. muscle. He was gaining more mm-hmm. muscle. You know, it is, you know, lost a little bit of that, 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 that baby fat he still had and was, you know, kind of gained some muscle. So he wasn't that stupid, you know, beef, beef himself up. And, you know, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that sort of evolves, if you will. This should, this should be fun. Yeah, and, also, and I'm also, yeah, also, just real quick, I'm looking forward to the Dennis Rodman uh, angle of it. I was just going to well, say, because, yeah. Because uh, the source of effort, he really didn't talk to his teammates outside of uh, practice or, or playing in the game. He he really didn't uh, have any communication with them. But 
all the ex-players from that team, those teams would tell you that they really loved Dennis Rodman. He wasn't really ahead. And of course, he had his moments while he was here. But, you know, you talk to guys like Steve Kerr or Bill Winnington, they, they, they absolutely adored the guy. Oh, yeah, they loved him. I think, you know, I remember seeing the Pistons documentary where they were talking about those those Pistons teams. I mean, they all, you know, John Sally, Isaiah Thomas, Ripper Horn, all, they all said that, you know, they loved having Rodman on the team. Yeah, he was a little kooky, and yeah, he was a little nutty, but, you know, we would not change having him on our team. And, mm-hmm. you know, imagine if you two, imagine if social media had been around. You know, we all, we, we, we talked about this before, you know, Dennis Rodman became like a cult figure. Just yeah. imagine if social media had been around back then. I mean, his ex would have been, been all over the place. What'd you say? He would have been a bigger star. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, I'll, it was going to be hard to tame him. I mean, you know, I, I heard, um, I think I heard uh, Scotty say that, you know, he, there was actually times where he was late to games. <laughs> Robin yeah. was to practice, you know, as he get, get ready to, uh, to do the game. So there was actually time when he was late. <laughs> So I'm looking forward. I'm, I'm, I'm dying to see how how deep they're gonna get into that because I can't really imagine what those stories will will be like with Rodman. Yeah, this it's gonna be interesting stuff. So I, I I cannot wait for the Sunday night to watch episodes three and four. That'll be on ESPN, ESPN two for the more family friendly version. So set your DVRs, kids. Um, anything else? You know, as we we're wrapping things up here in a few minutes. Um. Anything else in the sports landscape that, that has you sort of, you know, excited or bothered? Uh, just um, still watching old games on YouTube. And uh, you can go to my social media feeds and you can catch uh, some of the clips I put up there. I was watching uh, real quick. I was watching uh, the Bulls and Minnesota Timberwolves from um, April 3rd of 98. And um, uh, they had the Minnesota feed, and, and, I, and I posted uh, some clips on my IG page, and I posted up some on my Twitter page. They had the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves feed of Kevin Harlan and former NBA great in 93 Bulls champion Trent Tucker. Oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> and Kevin Harlan, this is before you went national. Uh, yeah. He was a very high – he still is to an extent now, even though he's kind of tamed down. But uh, he was very energetic doing those Timberwolves games back then. And Kevin Harlan was a treasure. Hopefully you guys in Minnesota, you're old enough to remember that. Uh, uh, he brought a high energy and, and, uh, and quick wit to those broadcasts. Uh, it was nice hearing a young Kevin Stallion and Kevin Harlan doing those games. Uh, oh, yeah, every, every ba- yeah, every uh, basket that Jordan made, he was very excited, and rightfully so. At all, <laughs> he was, had a very, very creative way with words and, and description back then. Well, well, he still does. I mean, <laughs> yeah. he was like one of the bright spots from those because those T Wolves teams were terrible. So I yeah, can't imagine. Good till when they got Garnett. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So and I think he was already going national by then. So, but yeah, I mean, I think he was probably one of the few bright spots during those T Wolves broadcasts <laughs> back then. I think that was like the one that could hang their hats on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly and also it'll be just see like you know once they start getting to phil jackson you know how all that kind of you know it's because you know doug collins got the boot after i believe what the 88 season i think i want to say 89 season that was when they lost to the pistons the first the, yeah that's when they lost to the pistons the second time but but the first time in the eastern conference finals 
Yeah, that that yeah, that's what happened. I think right after that, they got you know, Krauss got rid of him, and they brought Phil Jackson in. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm sure you know Phil will, will share the story as to how that all that came about, and also all yeah, the kind of scenes in the documentary. Yeah, I wonder if Doug's in a documentary. The um, documentary, like you said, they have to bring up that angle. They have to. They have to. They have to. And I'm sure. I, I just wanted to interview Doug. He might have declined. I, I can't picture him wanting to talk about it. I'm sure. I don't think he has too fond memories about that. He was. He's still with the Bulls now, but I think at the time he probably mm-hmm. wasn't too keen on that. So they probably asked him. He might have said, "Oh, we might see an appearance for, for him on Sunday. Who knows?" But uh. Yeah, they I'm sure they show old clips. Yeah. I'm sure he might have declined their invitation for the interview, but I know he loved Michael, and I'm, I'm sure, you know, I'm sure he would love to have been a part of those those championship teams, but, you know, it, it, it's unfortunate, but it's just, just, it's crazy all around how all that kind of, It'll be to see about more stuff that we didn't know, Sid. I mean, the, a lot of the stuff that we do yeah. know because we were all we were high school age, so we were mm-hmm. older to kind of like, hmm, what's going on here? But because so, with the first three, we we, did, we were young, so we didn't really appreciate. It, but then we started becoming more mindful, and once we yeah. got to like our high school age, when the Bulls started winning even more championships, you started wondering, okay, what's going on here, or what's the what's the whole thing about you know the team, like a lot of infighting between mm-hmm. the team. Yeah, because information, especially for our younger listeners and viewers, information was a premium back then. There was no social media. The internet was in its baby stations in the, the mid toward the late 90s. So you still had to depend on radio, TV, newspaper, and magazines. So you had to really dig in deeper for information what was put out there at that time. Yeah, there was no social media either. So that, you know, that, that they, you know, we're going to see, you know, all this stuff. And I'm sure it'll turn out to be an interesting place these next few weeks, you know, with more, as we're learning more and more and, you know, what more parts are going to be focusing on. So I, I wonder if they, did they interview Tony Kukoc for this, because I feel like he doesn't get his due. He was a big part of that, those last three championships. So I, I, I wonder if they interview him. It'll be interesting. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and if they do, even if they don't, they've got to bring up the, um, the the story of uh, of the ninety two Olympics because remember Kraus they yeah. did mention him uh, uh mentioned Tony Kugoc in the first episode about Kraus drafted him but uh, hopefully they'll bring out the angle of the ninety two Olympics because you know Michael and Scotty got on because Tony Kugoc played for Team Croatia which won the silver medal yeah. that 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 summer of course Team USA took the gold but both of them Scotty and Michael took turns of guarding Tony Kugoc. And uh, you know that was sending a message to Krauss. Like, uh, this is who you drafted. Wait till you get him on the team. Uh, plays in the NBA. Of course, Tony Kukoc went on to win three championships. He had a heck of a career. But you know they were sending a message to Krauss during those 92 Olympics when Team USA played Croatia. Yeah, I mean, uh, like I said, it was a little bit to see how far deep they get. They go in there because those are, that's an interesting uh, storyline. There. So, anything else? Anything else that sort of tickles your fancy as we're wrapping things up here? Uh, like I said, the NFL draft went went on without a hitch. Uh, I can't wait for episodes three and four of The Last Dance. It's, it's a appointment television, and ESPN did this right by by playing two episodes per week until the the series ends in mid May. 
Yeah, make it kind of like a mini series or a limited series. Yeah. I mean, I know how people say, well, why do they do like three or four, or have like have air all ten, you know, all day? No, no, people. I think you want to savor it. You want to yeah. stretch it. You want to give yeah, people wine more. Talk about um um for the whole week and leading up to the next episode. So ESPN uh, played this perfectly. Exactly. Um, couple of notes before we go. Uh, Red Sox got their punishment. Didn't get hit too hard as much as the Astros did, but. They lost draft picks. I mean, Alex Cora, you know, is gone. He got suspended for the year. So nothing really, like, nothing really big. What do you think about the the punishment for the Red Sox? I kind of expected that they're really, uh, uh, they didn't get rid of Alex Cora. Uh, the Mets didn't get rid of Alex Cora. Uh, it will have been much worse, but I didn't, I didn't expect anything different. Yeah, so he'll, be, he'll be back, you know, next year so. I mean, it's mm-hmm. not. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not. That's not really a big shocker. Um, yeah, he's on that AJ Hinch plan, so you, yeah, you exactly. Behave yourself. You you'll be back in the game some way somehow. Exactly. Yeah, I'll say this is all you have to do. Just you know, just you know, keep your nose clean. Don't don't do anything stupid, and you'll be fine. Exactly. Um, uh, uh, yeah, another. Um, some other notes. I mean, and hopefully tennis. You know, kind of like get together and. Because a lot of the top stars have been kind of, you know, saying that, listen, hey, maybe we should try to do something for charity. Rafa Nadal, so Roger Federer, you know, they, you know, they talk about maybe that both men and women should, you know, kind of like get together and have like charitable matches and perhaps maybe equal prize money. In some cases, there actually are, you know, getting, they're actually, in some cases, the women actually are being paid more. So that, that's interesting there. So, yeah, so that's another interesting little part there that's been floating around this last week. Um College football, I mean, some people are saying that maybe, maybe you hear all different things. That you say that maybe they maybe they will play this in the fall, maybe they won't. It's like it's kind of getting more and more confusing. Yeah, as we said last week, Lakina, if you don't have, if you're not allowing students back on campus by the fall, uh, college football should not be played. Or if, if, if it gets played, if college football gets played without students coming back on campus, they should play in front of empty stands. But like you said, we still have a couple more months uh, of this. Hopefully not too long, but, you know, college football, especially these commissioners and these power five conferences, they're going to have to have some, some hard decisions to make because you, we, we talked about this before. School, certain schools, and especially mid-major schools, had to cut out programs already. So hopefully it doesn't get much worse, but we'll wait to see what happens. Yeah, yeah, I mean, listen, we're still a long ways out, so it'll be very interesting to see what they do there. So we're going to wrap things up right here. Uh, again, you can follow me at Keena McGee on Twitter, at Keena underscore McGee on the Insta. You can follow me, Sid, Sid the Kid, on Twitter and Instagram at SidKid80, that's S-I-D-K-I-D-A-0, that's S-I-D-K-I-D-A-0, both on Twitter and Instagram. You can read all my articles, including my latest columns on my top 20 NBA facial dunks of all time. This at weareregalradio.com. That's W-E-A-R-E-R-E-G-A-L radio.com. We also now officially on War on Anchor. So you go to the Anchor app and yep. wherever you download your podcast, you can listen to us, Sega City Sports. You can listen to myself, Lakini, and yes, Jason's still part of the crew. He's very busy, but he's still part of us. So you can listen to our podcast right there. Right. Also, Spotify, Google Podcasts, basically, yeah. basically anywhere you can find your your list of your favorite podcast channel or podcast group, you can listen to us here. Hopefully, Jason will be able to join us soon. I know he's been super busy. You know, mm-hmm. and we can't blame him. We owe, you know, circumstances. You know, 
we're not gonna be able to dwell on that. So hopefully this will be able to uh, to join us soon. We're thinking about the J City. You'll stay strong for you and your your wife and your kids. So that's the important thing. Yeah. All right. Yes, so uh, we... go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so for Lakina McGee, Jason. I am Cynthia Kids. Thank you so much for tuning in this week to Second City Sports Zoom style. We will catch you next week. Um, make sure you watch episodes three and four of The Last Dance on ESPN. And we'll talk about this next week and a whole lot of other stuff going on in the sports world. Stay with your butt at home. We're not playing. Holla. Wash your hands, folks. Keep your hands clean. Wear a mask, kids. It's, gonna be a, it's a requirement here in Illinois in about a couple of weeks. So get your mask. Yeah. Yes, protect yourself. In all fronts, if you know what we mean. <laughs> stay, 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 yeah, stay safe and stay informed. All right, see you. All right, Sid, see ya.